Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership Podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership Podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today, we're going to be discussing last Monday's interview with Dr. Kathleen Patterson on servant leadership. If you've not had a chance to listen to that episode yet, it's definitely worth going back to and catching it. But we're going to go ahead today and jump right into the discussion. Joining me back in studio are Anna Maria Dempsey, Elijah Friedemann, and Thomas Tubby. So before Monday's interview, each of you shared your own thoughts about servant leadership. Did the interview affect your view of servant leadership at all, or is it pretty much the same? Anna Maria, what do you think? Yeah, I would definitely say that um, her interview reinforced the preconceived notion I had about the concept of servant leadership. And if anything, it um, it really offered some uh, articulate and relevant things for me to implement in my work. What did you think, Tubby? I really enjoyed her view of what servant leadership was. I thought it was very thought-provoking. Um, I especially enjoyed the way it kind of challenged the traditional views on what leadership is and kind of given a different spin on what a leader can be. So I thought it was very, very good. Yeah. How about you, Elijah? Yeah, so I was probably the most unsure of my answer. I thought it was kind of vague and abstract in terms of concept, so I gave a vague and abstract answer. So I was right, uh, but it was vague enough that it was pretty easy to be right. Um, I I think she really helped me understand more, put some great examples with the concept, and really helped me understand its place in leadership better. Yeah, how about some other initial thoughts? Was there anything that really stuck out to you guys about the interview that maybe you hadn't expected from an interview about servant leadership? Servant leadership to me, I think I've kind of alluded to this already, has seemed vague and honestly kind of weak to me. Like maybe it's got a place in religious settings or in a nonprofit setting, but in the business world, for-profit setting, not so much. And I think now I definitely see its place in leadership. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily think it's the only way to go, but definitely see its value. Yeah, it was interesting to to kind of hear about um, her experience in the business world, and she kind of talked about how strange it is to see servant leadership there. It's it's not. I think it is viewed as something that is is weak and not something that is attractive or maybe even beneficial in in a business setting. Yeah, I definitely agree that before this, I strictly only thought of this maybe in like a religious or Christian setting. But I love that she pointed out specifically how it works with business, such as firing and that sort of thing. And so I think it opened my eyes to this really does affect anyone in a leadership position um, to lead well. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things it seems like if, if servant leadership is going to be something that becomes viewed more positively is you have to overcome this idea that to be a servant is to be weak. And that's that's kind of a difficult thing to do. I, I don't know the best way to really overcome that. She did share some examples of, of, of great leaders who, um, who who led and certainly weren't weak. Uh, William Wilberforce was one of them, Mother Teresa. You see these people, and by no means are they weak, but 
what they're doing is looking out for the best for their followers, the best for the people that they are in charge of and responsible for. She said a question that, that really stuck out to me, and it's, it's, have we built better human beings as leaders? And I, to me, that really crystallized the issue for me. It wasn't just, you know, have we, have we served people well, but it helps us realize the purpose of serving people, which is better people, better leaders, better followers. And so that really helped me see the value of it and, and pulled it out of this idea of simply being kind to people, being nice to people, just to be nice to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a thought I had too is in reference to being servant leadership being referred to as weak is there's always going to be people that are going to question and view your leadership style as, you know, a certain type. Everybody's going to be a critic basically. And she kind of alluded to this. It takes a strong person to kind of let your pride down and humbly step into that leadership position and lead in that way. Cause you're not really a servant leader is not going to be somebody who's like, look at me and what I do. Great. You're all humbling yourself and serving those who are your subordinates technically. So I, I thought it was a good point that you're not weak cause you're really strong actually to take that position of humility. One thing that she she said a couple different times in the interview is that servant leadership is for the brave. And I think that a lot of leaders have a perception that if they begin to serve other people, then people will begin to take advantage of them. And that's something that, that leaders have to overcome. She mentioned a couple different times some some key servant leaders, and one of those was William Wilberforce, and another one was Mother Teresa. Um, you see these these great leaders that they certainly didn't allow people to walk all over them. They were effective leaders. So I guess my question to you is, have you ever had any experience with with servant leaders in your own life who really did open themselves up and were doing what was best for you uh, and because of that, we're able to be very effective people. Yeah, I think that ultimately, the only thing that can overcome that is kind of a security in yourself. If you're a believer, that would be a security in Christ, but I can't speak for all of our audience. But that security in in your self-convictions and your moral reasoning, moral compass, is ultimately going to be the guiding force. And so that can help you stand firm in, in your in your walk when others are questioning you or taking advantage of you. I think that's the only thing you can fall back on is, is that security. Have you all had uh tubby or Elijah, any experience with uh, people that you, especially after this interview would be able to say those people were servant leaders in my life. They were, they were looking out for me and doing what was best for me. You know, I think back to a professor I had in college and I wouldn't actually characterize him as a servant leader uh, across the board, but he, the way he helped me and opened up doors for me, that was one thing that Dr. Patterson has said as well. The way that he opened up doors for me was, was really big. And so I would say that's an example of him prioritizing my interests and trying to set me up with internships and connections in, in ways that he really didn't need to do. And, and so I look back very fondly to him and to what he did and consider him, you know, still, I still have his fingerprints in my life because of that time. So that, that to me is a great example of, of servant leadership and how he practiced that with me. Absolutely. Yeah. And I can even think of, of times in my life where people push me forward and at times it kind of felt like they were, uh, they were trying to just put me out there and, uh, and make me flounder a little bit, but I, I can look back on those times and see that they were doing what was best for me. And sometimes, uh, even at their expense, you know, someone's expecting them to get up and speak and, and say something profound. And, and then they put me up there and I just flounder around, but they're, they're doing that um, in some ways to help me out. Yes, I when you got, you're asking the question about somebody in our own life that was a servant leader, it made me think of uh, my mom, actually. She was very much a strong Christian woman and a Christian influence in my household. And um, she, she served 
our family so well. And anytime I think of somebody who's a leader, I always think of my mom, just the way she was. She always humbled herself. She put her her family before herself and their needs before her own. So I think of my mom when I think of a good servant leader. So yeah, I think a lot of people can look at a lot of us can look at our moms and see servant leadership um, in their lives for sure. How about other things in the interview that that stuck out to you that you thought were interesting or challenging or insightful in different ways? Yeah, you know, I, I actually, and I don't be too cynical here about servant leadership, but as she was talking about it, I saw the value. She said uh, early on, she was talking about her time in the business world, that, that she had leaders who created pockets of protection. And I loved that idea. I think that's what servant leadership can do so well. But then on the flip side, I'm thinking, okay, but if, but if you're leading an organization, what's going to be best when you prioritize the interest of an individual and putting that person up into a, a leadership that, that where they grow and they flounder and they do well eventually, but it takes a long time, could actually hurt the organization. And so as I was listening to the interview, I think I started to see the value of servant leadership, but I still had this nagging question in the back of my mind. Well, how often is this good? Is it just good when you can create that pocket of protection? But if you're looking at a whole organization, can you still really be a servant leader in the same way? Yeah, I, that's, that is a definitely a challenge for leaders. And the more that I learn about leadership, the more that I find there are times for certain types of leadership and times where you really uh, probably shouldn't use certain approaches in leadership. And one of the things she mentioned is, is transformational leadership. It's, there are two, in some ways, connected uh, theories on leadership, but in some ways they're, they're very different. Servant leadership is focused primarily on the followers, and transformational leadership is really focused on the organization. And when you focus on the organization, sometimes what you do is you push followers even beyond what they think they can do. And that's also a good thing. It's not like transformational leadership focusing on the organization is bad, uh, but there definitely are times when servant leadership is what people need. And I think that servant leadership should certainly be something that we allow to color a lot of our leadership approaches. Yeah, I think one thing that I would take the liberty to add that I find important in ser- servant leadership is empathy and the notion of of just treating your followers like human beings. And so, yes, I think there is a time where the two maybe feel like they don't connect as far as what's best for the human being and what's best for the organization. But I think if that person is meant to be in that organization, and like she said, sometimes you're doing them a favor by um, letting them go. I think if, if they're genuinely best for that organization, you putting their best interest and nurturing them as an individual will ultimately cause the corporation to flourish. When I think of like a team and how a team operates, whether that be a sports team or an organization such as in business, everybody has a defined role. You know, like it's, a team is not operational and isn't able to work well unless they're defined roles. And I think that's one thing maybe – I know she referred to her experience with her boss, wasn't a very good servant leader, but her and her counterparts that were under him that were leaders over other people did servant leadership and did it well. So maybe that worked for their organization. They had somebody who was worried – about the organization, even though he wasn't a servant leader, but they, he did have people under him that were good servant leaders. So that might be where servant leadership could fall in a business standpoint, at least with yeah. that, that defined role. Yeah. So you also mentioned sports teams. Have you ever had experience with servant leadership or maybe the lack of servant leadership yes. in negative ways yeah. on sports teams? Yes. Uh, I, I actually wrote down when I listened to the interview, I thought of uh, Clemson's head football coach, Dabo Sweeney. He's actually a great example of somebody who is a great servant leader. Um, you know, obviously in college football, they're supposed to win championships, but he also makes it a priority to invest in his players in a Christian standpoint and like instilling good values in them. So I thought that was, he was a cool example of somebody who is a good servant leader. And then in my own experience, I've had various coaches throughout my high school career, and 
all of them were good coaches. They, they you know, they cared about their sport, but oft, oftentimes it fell short, like investing in their players. And um, so the servant leadership aspect wasn't there as much for sure. I actually thought of that. So I want to jump on that sports thing for a second. So not not to stay on college football too long here, but I read an article in the New York Times. It was a year or two ago, maybe. And it was about Tom Herman. And he was at the time University of Houston's football coach. Now he's at the University of Texas, one of the best football coaches in the in the nation. And one of the things he said, this whole article was about how weird his approach to his team was. So literally when they would be walking into a stadium, he'd have all the players line up. They'd have to walk past them. He'd give them each a hug and then kiss them on the cheek. Wow. Which which <laughs> like in, in football culture is a weird thing to do. Uh-huh. And the first time he ever did it, he actually kissed the strength and conditioning coach on the cheek, which just shocked everybody. No but kidding. he said that there, there's only two ways to motivate people to do things that aren't natural, love and fear. And he says, I'm always going to go with love. And, and so as I was listening to this on servant leadership, that's what popped into my head yeah. is this weird approach, but, but he's one of the best football coaches. And part of it's because he creates this culture of love. The players know and they feel on their cheeks every, every week that he loves them. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a weird approach, but, I, but it, it really, in a way, in an area where I wouldn't expect it very much, uh, he showed how servant leadership can really work. Well, I think that speaks to the point of that servant leadership can be a little unconventional at times. Like I think she refer, even referred to it, like it challenges the very idea of what traditional leadership is. So it is going to be a little unconventional and maybe not the norm at times, but that, that might be what a good servant leader is. Yeah, she mentioned doing tough things for their followers own good. That's what servant leaders do. And it was in the context of firing people, but in some situations, uh, hugging people and giving them a kiss on the cheek could also be considered a, a tough thing to do. So I think that is uh, certainly servant leadership right there. Another thing that I was glad you pointed out was that it's not just that you're a servant leader in the workplace. Um, it really has to be a holistic whole being approach to your life. And so she mentioned that it starts in the home, you know, if we're servant leaders as family members and friends, and spouses. And I think that's really a good point that maybe gets missed sometimes. I would love to see someone explore more about how to have this connection of servant leadership, um, not just specifically talking about the workplace, but also make available resources for friends and families. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think that if, if, if you want to see something change, obviously it, it's always good to start at uh, just about the smallest level you can and go from there. Sometimes we can get uh, we can see uh, something large in front of us and be intimidated and just almost give up before we get started. But uh, if we can if we can go and look at the the smallest area of influence and, and just begin working there, that could be our our families, our homes, it could be our own selves. We could say what what can I do here? Uh, then from there spread out. And I think a lot of people sometimes want to go for the gusto. And it's not all bad, but at the same time, if you do that and there's not something solid that you're working from, then it can be really easy to, to miss the mark and to not be nearly as effective as you otherwise could be. Yeah, I think that's one reason why I might have discounted servant leadership some in the past is because it is so small. I mean, it's it's focused on on the lowest common denominator at times. And even that's even what Dr. Patterson said in talking about it starts with conquering yourself. Um, but I, to, to flip it around in my mind a little bit, that's actually then what changes it. So uh, she, she posed the question, if I focus on my followers, who's going to take care of my organization? And then she answered it by saying, if you do great things for your people, they're going to do great things for the organization. And that, that really helped me because I think sometimes I have a tendency to want to focus big. And this is pulling me back down to say, let's focus on the basics, focus on the people, and the big stuff comes out of that. One of the things that Dr. Patterson said is that when you are a leader, as a leader, are focused on your followers and you're seeking their good, 
they take care of the organization. They do a great job. It's when you're great to your people, they do great things. What I also appreciated about her in this interview was that um, she not only laid out her, the concept of servant leadership, but she also gave some markers to how for how to evaluate if you're being effective servant leader. So she said, servant leaders are humble and point success to their followers. So obviously self-awareness to check yourself and see if you're doing that. Um, but then she said, you know, it's not about who we think we are or what we think we're doing. Uh, we have to look at what our followers say that we are. Are they growing and developing like they should be? That's a marker. And have we built better human beings, as we mentioned before? Um, so I also appreciated her giving those markers to help evaluate listeners who might wonder, am I meeting the mark on this? Am I effective, effectively servant leading? Yeah, I mean, she was saying that it, it can be hard to sometimes find servant leaders because they're not necessarily putting themselves out there. But she said, seek out those followers who are effective, who are doing good things. And if you follow them up to their leader, you might find a great servant leader. So one of the things that I want to talk about for a second before we uh, go to our takeaways for the day uh, for this interview is uh, now that we've heard a little bit about servant leadership, have a better idea about what it is from the mouth of the expert herself, uh, who are some people that you could look at in the world around us that are somewhat somewhat well-known that you could say that person looks like they are a servant leader? You know, that's hard because my, my first thoughts when I think of leaders, I go to politics and I don't think of a lot of servant leaders there. I go to business, can't think of a lot of servant leaders there. The, the person who comes to mind first, and this is so weird, is actually Ellen DeGeneres. Huh. I totally agree with you there. Really? Uh, that's actually who came into my mind. Um, and at first I thought, you know, who, I don't know who her followers are per se that I watch her lead, but I would just say as a whole, I think she's she seems so genuine and I think watching her show, you can just see how she um, just treats the audience members at the very least and her care and concern for human beings, which is something I mentioned earlier as being really important in servant leadership. So I honestly think of her as well as a servant leader. Wait, and then the, the employees she has, like, I don't, even, I don't I hardly, I see clips on YouTube and that's it. But, but she's got a producer named Andy, right? And he's constantly showing up and, and other people are constantly showing up and she's like promoting them and, and talk, out there, yeah, yeah. saying good things about them. So that, that's the first person that comes to mind. Honestly, I'm having trouble thinking of others, but Ellen DeGeneres, servant leader. Tubby, you got anything? Yes, I was trying to look it up, actually. Um, the I, I As soon as we started talking about it, I thought of a local ministry here in Jackson, We Will Go Ministries. Yeah. And I can't remember the name of the lady. Her name's Amy, I know, but I can't remember her last name. But her and her husband started We Will Go Ministries, and basically the concept was they wanted to live in downtown Jackson, which is a pretty rough area, and they wanted to minister people where they were. And they gave up you know, pretty much everything they had to buy the old worn down abandoned YMCA uh, in downtown Jackson. That's where they live and operate their ministry in the same area. And it's, it's awesome. I got to serve there one time and they ended up serving me more than I served them. I felt like because they were so influential and giving me a different perspective because we go throughout our days and we're going to school and we're going to work and, you know, we're kind of focused on ourselves and their whole ministry, their whole lives living there is about serving people. And I thought that was really cool. They, they exemplify servant leadership to me. And I think anytime that you can actually be around someone and see how they live, you can go away more confidently saying that person is a servant leader because at the end of the day, we see someone on TV. We, we read someone's books, see someone on YouTube. We don't really know who they are as a person away from the screen. But when you get to actually spend time with someone, you can really go away saying that person is looking for the good of other people. And that's a, that's a mark of a servant leader right there. Let's go ahead and turn to takeaways from this interview. There's a lot of things we could say, but, uh, 
Tubby, let's go ahead and start with you. What are some some key takeaways from the interview that you would like to leave the listeners with? Things that really are beneficial in your mind to being a servant leader. We hit on all three of the ones that I thought of, but uh, one of the ones I really enjoyed that Anna Maria brought up was uh, servant leadership isn't confined really to your professional life. Because I feel like people, when they hear this term servant leadership, they think I got to be that at my job. I got to be that, you know, in the organization I'm with. And uh, I love the point she made and that Anne-Maria brought up that it's it starts at home. It really does in your own personal life, in the rela- relationships you have, um, or if you're involved in a church, your your job's there. Like that, That's where servant leadership should start, and then it kind of overflows from your personal life into your professional life and in the communities you're in. And then uh, another one I had was that uh, servant leadership and the qualities that are associated with it that she kind of spoke about was uh, love, hum- humbleness, and seeking the interests of others before your own. Those are not synonymous with weakness, but uh, it actually takes a very strong and mature and uh, humble person to let go of the pride and serve with humility in that way. And then the last one kind of idea I had was that uh, it isn't wise to dub yourself an effective servant leader. You should uh, look to your followers to see what they actually say about your leadership and if you are truly a servant leader. That's a good word. How about you, Anna Maria? Uh, Yeah, I would say to summarize um, key takeaways um, that I enjoyed most were like he said, it starts at home, you know, negating the false assumption that perception of of servanthood being weakness and that ultimately servant leaders are going to point success to their followers instead of themselves. I'll go ahead and say right now, that was one of mine. Leaders point success to their followers. That's difficult to do, but it's, it's definitely a sign of a servant leader. Elijah, how about you? Yeah, so I've got two quotes that I'm going to carry with me for that she said, and then uh, one question based on something she said, and that is uh, the, the quote. The quotes are: "When you're great to your people, they do great things." And that's that's powerful. The second is: as leaders, we should build better human beings. I think word. that man, if leaders kept that in mind, if I keep that in mind, I'm going to lead better. And the final one is: so I actually lead a nonprofit. That's one of my roles. I lead a nonprofit, and we have a bunch of volunteers and different leaders over the volunteers. So I oversee the leaders of the volunteers. One of the questions I'm going to start using in my weekly meeting with these leaders is: how have you loved? your volunteers this week. And the question I'm going to be asking myself every week is how have I loved these leaders this week in a tangible way? So that's the application question I'm going to carry away from this interview. Besides the the servant leaders point success to their followers that you mentioned, Anna Maria, the other two that I thought were really great were that when you take care of your people, uh, they take care of the organization. I think that's a, that's a key thing to, to keep in mind. And the final one was that servant leadership is for the brave. Uh, she said that twice, and that's how she ended her interview. And it's so true. Uh, if servant leadership is all these things we've talked about today, then it's not something that's easy to do, despite the fact that some people might hear servant and think weak. The truth is, if we're going to be servant leaders, we have to be okay with not being in the limelight, making sure that the people behind us, the people around us, are the ones who are being lifted up and, and pointed to and given credit to. And that can be a difficult thing to do as a leader. Well, thanks so much for for joining me today, y'all, for joining me this week. It's been a good time, and uh, I think Dr. Patterson taught us a lot. Thank you all for coming on and and discussing the interview and and hopefully teaching some of the listeners something as well. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, thanks for asking, Josh. It was fun. Thanks for joining the show this week. I hope you learned something new and feel more prepared to take leadership in your own life to the next level. If you found this content valuable and would like to help out the podcast, here are three things you can do. One, subscribe to the podcast so you'll get new episodes each week as they come out. Two, share this week's interview with someone you think could benefit from it. Or three, give us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. 
All three of these actions will make it easier for others to find us and join the community. You can never have too many good leaders, right? Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.